Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan, and I am excited to explore the secrets of how to make our financial freedom journey work for us. Amanda Neely is a small business and financial professional. She shares her experiential knowledge by developing personalized finance strategies for individuals in addition to profitably strategizing for businesses. She empowers people to take charge of their cash flow, leverage their assets, and increase profitability in ways that would make their grandmother proud. So, Amanda, share with us a memorable experience from your formative years that helped you to be who you are today. Yeah, I never would have thought living in this moment that I'm about to tell you about that it would have formed me. But looking back, it was very formative. My parents were in a position where they fought about money a little too much because my mom had gotten into some credit card debt. I was in middle school, maybe around 10, 11 years old. And I forced my mom to sit down with me at the kitchen table once a month and budget out. How are we going to get this debt paid off? What are we going to do? And I had a piece of paper and I figured it all out and helped her write the checks so she could just sign them. And little did I know, I would eventually become a financial professional. Well, that is fascinating. (laughs) And a little bit sad that you as a middle schooler had to become your parent's parent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I take care of my mom. She lives with us. She had a stroke. So it was also good training for how to take care of her. How to do that later in life when it was really, really a necessity. Unfortunately, you're probably not the only child who has had to parent their parent. That happens all too frequently. Interesting story, though. Well, you use a system that you call STIL, S-T-I-L-L. So tell us, first of all, what is STIL and how is it that we can apply this system to bring greater clarity, focus, and profitability to our businesses? Yeah. So a lot of the time we read online when we listen to financial gurus, they tell us what to do. Right, you should take a profit from your business. You should, you know, separate your business and personal finances. You should always be growing your top line revenue and seeking how to decrease your expenses. They tell you what to do. We all kind of know the basics, but no one ever shows us how. And so still is really a how, like a methodology, a way to take all these things we know in our heads and figure out What's that thing that I need to do now? What is that step I need to take? And so it's actually an acronym. The S stands for set your sights. Remember your goals. Remember your why. You know, really get in that positive, especially as business owners. We love to think about what are those goals we're going after? Why are we going after them? What's important to us? So that gets us in a nice frame of mind. Then do the T, which is track your in and out. What's come in? to your business, what's gone out of your business, just noticing, right? Reflecting on it a little bit. How's that gone over the last month or the last quarter? And then the I is inspect your progress. 
is that moving me toward my goals, that what's come in and what's gone out and how I'm operating my business, in what ways is it moving toward my goals, in what ways is it hindering my goals, you know, really taking some time to reflect. And as long as that's needed, you know, like as long as it takes, you stay with that I. Until you find the first L, which is look for the 1% adjustment. What's the small shift I could make that'll make a 1% change toward my goals, right? To reach those sites that I have. And then the final L is to live deliberately, actually make that 1% change. And then you can come back every month, every week, every quarter, however often you want to do this methodology and start back at S. And when you get to I, to see, did that 1% make the difference I thought it would and continue along that process? So you can take all that what and actually figure out the how for your unique situation. Well, that sounds like a sensible way to look at strategizing for our businesses. We get so comfortable in our comfort zones. And one of the things that is so difficult for us as humans is to shift out of that comfort zone. So I like how you suggest that we look at that 1% change, because I think we often just tend to look at the 80% change. And when we don't make that 80% change within the first few weeks or the first month, then we get discouraged and say, this just never will work. And we just forget the whole thing. But most of us, if we can look at and find 1% change, we generally can make that change. And I like how you, it's not just a 1% change, but it's a 1% change that will make a difference. And yeah, I like that. I like that concept. Well, how do we put profit first? I mean, that's what everybody is after is profit. And I think everybody thinks they're putting profit first, but I'm not sure that we really know how to do that. So take us through that. Yeah, let me tell you a story. So I first heard of this concept called trademarked Profit First by this guy named Mike Michalowicz. He wrote a book called Profit First. I first actually heard him being interviewed on a podcast way back. I think it was 2016, 2017, somewhere around that area. And at that point, we owned a coffee shop in downtown Chicago. And when I heard him talk about paying ourselves first rather than last in the business, I was like, oh, easy, piece of cake. I'm going to just start doing this. So rather than us paying ourselves from what was left over on the 30th or the 31st of the month, we paid ourselves on the first of the month every month and then figured out how to run our business off of what was left to use that month. And that was really positive for us. Well, I made a whole bunch of mistakes. I only paid ourselves the basics, what we needed to survive, nothing extra, nothing for anything fancy, just, you know, here's what we need for groceries and rent and, you know, all the things. And then I also didn't factor in that we could grow that profit, right? That we could pay ourselves more. I wasn't even thinking growth mindset kind of thing. But even making that shift opened up a whole different mindset of, I got into this business because I wanted some personal freedom to pursue what I was really passionate about and the difference I wanted to make in the world. I can't make that difference from the edge of poverty nearly as well as if I have some resources. And this business wasn't just started to serve a customer and to provide a service, but it was also started to give me the opportunity to live my life 
to the full to achieve that destiny or that purpose that I felt like I was created for. So I was like, well, and if I had more money, I could actually do that better rather than worse, right? I felt like I have to give all my money away and put it toward this business and the mission that I was trying to accomplish when there's more things outside of that business that I could accomplish, right? So it started this journey of learning, well, how do I not just take my profit first, but how do I increase my profitability? And we ended up being in the place where we could actually sell that business even though we had had a flood, we had to close for a while. A lot of coffee shops you know, are not in a position where they can sell. But because we had shown, hey, we're taking a profit from this. We're paying ourselves. Person you know, trying to buy our business, look, you could have this too. It made it much more appealing for them that it was a profitable business. And so we sold that business. We started the new business that we're in now. And my husband actually bought he didn't buy me. He got for free the official Profit First book from Mike Michalowicz, wrapped it up, put it under the Christmas tree. And I read it between Christmas and New Year's, just devoured it. And we went full tilt on the Profit First system. And it's been a total game changer, way more than initially just taking the concept and the mindset and seeing how it changed our business originally. We'll be right back after a brief announcement. Are you a busy professional, passionate about the work of your calling, yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Talker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steedtalker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Well, interesting story there, but I guess I have some questions there. Yeah. I guess we could all say, well, I'm going to pay myself first of all. And we certainly could do what you did and not pay ourselves enough. I think that would be a temptation. But we could also go the other way and pay ourselves too much. So how do you find that balance there to make it really work? Yeah, great question. So what's awesome is that Mike, in his research for this book, studied thousands of the healthiest businesses around the world. And he developed what are called target allocation percentages. And there's a target for what your owner's compensation should be. There's a target for what even your profit above your owner's compensation should be. There's a target for how much to set aside for taxes, a target for how much to use for operating expenses. And it's all there. So you can see what a healthy business looks like. And you can start where you're at, your current allocation percentages. And guess what? Make a 1% adjustment every quarter or every month to move toward those targets. And sometimes you say those targets aren't exactly right for me, but it's helpful to know, right? And there's different targets for different levels of businesses and things like that. So I found it actually super helpful to have that as like a mile marker or a way to think of if I'm a truly healthy business, this is what it would be like. But I also have this little difference. I want to give, I want to add like a giving target, right? Or I want to have a savings target that's a little different. And that's also, it's a system. You can customize it and adapt it to what works for you. And so, well, you've got your targets, you're meeting your targets, and then you set your 1% targets. What if you don't make your 1% targets? 
you try again, you figure out a different way, right? There's lots of room to play around with it, have some fun with it. There's also times you'll go through growth stages in your business where you might say, okay, I'm going to take my profit, but I'm going to put it right back into the business as an owner's contribution into the business. So because I really want it to grow right now, there are going to be seasons where you do that. And that's okay too. That's often when operating expenses kind of go you know, are more than what you thought they were going to be. And that's okay for a season because you know you're in being intentional about it. You're choosing it rather than not knowing, which is where a lot of business owners are. They don't know how the money's flowing through their business. Yeah, they're just making it from month to month to month and hoping they make those allocations so that they can pay themselves at the end of the month there. Yep. Well, what to look for to know when it is time to do a big pivot, everything is going fine. How do we know it's time to make a big change? Yeah, there's kind of two sides to this. If everything is going fine, like you have to ask why a pivot, right? If you feel good, right? Things are going fine, you're comfortable. You have to ask, do I want to pivot? What's necessary about that? And have that gut check of, you know, have I stopped growing? Do I need to pivot so that I can continue to grow personally and professionally? More often, when things aren't going well or things are going well for the business, but at your personal expense, emotional, you know, stress kind of expense, that's a great sign that there's some kind of pivot that's needed, even if the business is making money, if it's not working for you. And that's a pretty big sign that a pivot's needed. And so, when we make this big pivot, do we go at it 1% at a time? Or is it time to actually bite off a big chunk? Yeah. So, there's some science here that is really cool. So, these researchers took a group of individuals and broke them into three different groups. One, of course, was the control group. We don't need to even think about them. But one group, they told them, go and start running 20 minutes a week or 20 minutes a time, three times a week. Let's see how much fitter you can get, right? Lose weight, have better numbers on your lab results, stuff like that. The other group, they had them come in and they just said, we want you to stand for 10 minutes in front of the TV every day. The next week they came in, you know, we want you now to walk in place for those 10 minutes. Okay. At the end of the study, which group do you think was running 20 minutes a time, three times a week? I guess counterintuitively, I would guess those who were told to stand in front of the TV for 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah, they started with those small adjustments and it built mm-hmm. up their confidence, their abilities, and they got to the point where they were doing everything. So now there are times in my life when I've seen it work the other way. But for me, those have been the exception. Mm -hmm. It's more when I start those small adjustments that I see the longer term results happen. So there's always you know, the exception to the rule. Wouldn't make a blanket statement. But more often than not, I would think the 1% adjustment is the way to go. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Of course, in that particular study, I think the people who could walk in place for 10 minutes, they must have a lot of tenacity because that (laughs) is 
boring. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, they're watching TV. It's while they're watching yeah, TV. They're so. watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> That's still boring. <laughs> yeah. But, but anyway, yes, an interesting study. And certainly it does point to the fact that starting small, it's easier to stay with those goals and aspirations. I think that's challenging for us to do. We're just not, I don't think we're really programmed to really look at the small steps. We want to take off that big chunk and get it done immediately. Well, how do we structure our businesses, our life, and so on and so forth to become a banker-friendly entity as real estate investors or as small business owners or whatever it is we're doing in our lives? Yeah, really, it all comes down to, can you show profit? Can you show personal income? Whether you're applying for a mortgage right, or asking for a business loan, they want to see that you're a healthy business and they're going to look for those same kind of things like Michalowicz found when he studied healthy businesses. What's their profit like? How much are they paying themselves? So it's not only about do you have a product that you can sell and is the market big enough and all those things that you hear, you know, most business owners talk about. It really is the behind the scenes are things working. And the thing that a lot of people don't think about too is what's the culture like? You know, like in the business, right? Especially if you have employees, are they happy working there? Are they gonna continue with the business? You have to think like a person that's buying businesses, would you buy your own business? And if so, it's probably banker-friendly. It's probably working for you. It's probably working for your customers and your staff. And that's a pretty good sign that you've got a healthy business if you would buy it yourself. Well, talk to us here about the bank on yourself concept and how it is that you have put that into practice. Yeah. So I first heard about Bank on Yourself when I was about two years into our coffee shop business. And I hadn't been putting anything into or toward like longer term savings, like retirement, like 401ks, IRAs, anything like that. Because I was like, I don't want to tie up my money till I'm 59 and a half. I was in my 20s when we were running that business. And, you know, I also graduated college in 2006. So this was shortly after the Great Recession and the bank bailouts and all those things. I wasn't sure I wanted my money to feed that system of things. You know, just young, skeptical, kind of jaded about banking and investment firms. And when I heard about banking yourself, it was almost like a breath of fresh air, like the thing I'd been looking for for my whole life because I could save money for the long term there. And I could still access it when and how I wanted to without breaking the compounding so that if my business and wanted to scale it, or if I wanted to get through an emergency like we did have, I wouldn't have to go grovel to a bank or go into credit card debt. And that was super appealing to me. And it wasn't feeding that typical banking and investment system. It was in a different system that felt good to be a part of. So that in a nutshell, that was really it for me. I learned all kinds of things about tax advantages. And there's some pretty strong guarantees if you find the right company to work with and other things that have just made it better and better for me. So much so that when we sold that business and we're thinking about what we're going to do next, we decided to become financial professionals because thinking more about money you know, had set our, ourselves up 
in a much better way, adopting profit first, adopting bank on yourself. We want to make sure more people knew about it because it had changed our lives so much. Yeah, it is an amazing way to deal with your investments. And it's a way for people to actually begin to do it at wherever they are at in their life, whether they're already financially well off or whether they're just starting off. And even if they're just working a W-2 job, wherever you're at, you can begin the process of banking on yourself. So tell us a little bit more, Amanda, about what Bank on Yourself actually is and how it is that people can actually begin to do that. Yeah. So Bank on Yourself is a concept that was trademarked by an amazing woman named Pamela Yellen. You can find out more about her and the term Bank on Yourself at bankonyourself.com. She's got lots of great information on her website. But in general, it's a concept that's built on a very particular type of whole life insurance uh, structured in a very particular way that allows there to be a cash value that grows, gets, you know, the policy has dividends because it's a mutual company. There's all kinds of criteria that we use for the companies that we work with to do bank on yourself. And it's also where you can borrow against the cash value of your policy to do things like grow a business or you know have an emergency fund but because of the companies that we work with your cash value still grows as if you didn't touch it because you didn't and i've never found any other product that allows you to use your money in multiple ways so that you don't break the compounding interest but you're still able to go invest in that real estate or grow the business or even buy crypto or stock you know like the op- it, it's some people call it the both and asset that it's not limiting your options. You can still do the things of life. And this just becomes a repository of where you can hold your funds in between those things of life and keep them from getting eaten by fees or from the roller coaster of the stock market or other things like that. So just to be clear, this isn't just any whole life policy that these are specialized policies. And you have to be sure you're getting the right kind of policy. Yeah. So you want to work what's called a bank on yourself professional. And so tell us, Amanda, I think you are one of those professionals. So how do we get in touch with you and to take advantage of this? Yeah. So wherever you're listening to this podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, you can look for Wealth Wisdom. And you will find our show as well. And we talk a lot there about uh, kind of the, the pieces of wisdom that have stood the test of time that have lasted hundreds of years. And then if you like what you hear and want to reach out, we're at grandmaswealthwisdom.com. So I advise you, viewers and listeners, to look into this. There are some great advantages Amanda alluded to the fact that there's tax advantages to this. The advantages that, like with 401ks, IRAs, any kind of retirement plan, your money is tied up for 20, 30 years and you can't do anything with it. Bank on yourself. You can take that money you're putting into 401ks and IRAs and put it into bank on yourself and you can utilize that money when you need it without hurting uh, the compounding aspects of 
your wealth there, which is an amazing aspect of this particular product. Well, Amanda, before we close out here, I have one last question. And well, it's actually a three part question. And it is what was one of your biggest setbacks in life? How did you come through that time? And what was the lesson you learned from that experience? Yeah, I think back to right when we were about to celebrate the second year of our coffee shop. Over a six-month period, we had to put a cat to sleep. My husband's grandma died. My mom had a stroke. I had a miscarriage. We had another visit to the emergency room. Like Everything that could go wrong seemed to go wrong. And it almost broke our marriage, some of that emotional turmoil and the stress of the business. And we got through that really because we had a community around us that reminded us that they loved us and that we loved each other and right that uh, we loved ourselves and encouraged us to remember that we're not just business owners right we exist outside the business and we started taking one evening a week right just a few hours and the only rule was we can't talk about the business and we just connected together as partners in life and that was really the small 1% adjustment that mm-hmm. then kind of opened us up to, well, we could make our money work for us too, not just our time. You know, like making that tiny saying yes to ourselves just became the mindset that transformed everything. Well, very good. I like how you wrapped everything up and stayed with that theme of that 1%. I really am going to have to remember that because I think there's a whole lot of power in that 1% adjustment. As we've been talking today, I've just been thinking about, about my life and my business and my teaching and everything I do. And I think, you know, stop looking at the big chunks, look at the little things and just go from there. Yeah. So, Amanda, thank you so much for being with us. It's been a real pleasure having you today. Thanks so much for having me, Alan. It's my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.